guys. This is Joy. And this is Claire. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you are. We are recording the day after Christmas. I don't know why we decided to do that. Well, I know why, because we were all busy and traveling, but... This is the last episode of 2022. Which is crazy. I can't believe that we've been doing this podcast now for almost three years. Which is confusing for people when we say that. They're like, wait. Yeah. So that we that we rebranded. Right. When we moved away from Girls Gone Wad, our last episode was at the end of 2019. Little did we know. <laughs> oh, the shitstorm that was about to happen. I know. Do you, okay. This is a like kind of a review hindsight three years later. And by the way... I do have a cold. I'm battling. Sorry in advance. I do sound like I'm, you know, congested. That That's what happens when you have a cold. So, sorry, I just thought we have our live chat again. And Stephanie, before we hit record, I was like, we're just, I feel like a hot mess today. I mean, it's been a heavy two weeks. I'll get to that later. But Stephanie, and so we started and I'm like, just so you know, guys, behind the scenes, we have no agenda. We have no nothing written down. This is all off the dome, as JK would say. I've been listening to his podcast a lot lately. and Or I always listen to his podcast, but lately he's been saying off the dome a lot. And I'm like, I just really love that phrase, off the dome. This whole podcast episode is going to be off the dome. What were we saying? What? Who? What? What? 2019. Okay. Yeah. So so 2019, like the three three years later, do you ever think about like, any regrets or things that we would have done different, or like that you wish we would have done differently as far as like the rebrand? Not like, I don't regret anything. I think that we've talked about this. Like sometimes I feel like we went too wide when we were like, oh, we're tired of talking about CrossFit. We're just going to talk about literally anything. Sometimes I feel like having our topics be literally anything feels, makes it feel like, I don't know how people are supposed to find us. Like, what do you search when you want to listen to us? Mm-hmm. Before yeah. it was like, oh yeah, somebody wants like a fitness podcast or a CrossFit podcast. They can come listen to us. But now it's sort of like, hey, do you want to listen to two women just like talk about whatever they want? <laughs> yeah, like personal diary style. Yeah, but to be but- fair, that is what originally inspired me was the Joy the ba- Baker podcast. So the Joy the Baker podcast started, man, when did we start? It was, that was probably 2012. Her and her friend Tracy, her handle on Instagram is Shutterbean. They both had really cool blogs at the time. I mean, they still do. Tracy's blog is amazing. So is Joy's for recipes. But I remember listening to them and they would just talk about anything. And I remember being like, that's so fun. It's really fun to listen to them. There wasn't a ton of like, I don't know. I went to that podcast for the randomness of it. And just because I liked to hear them talk about nail polish and I liked to hear them talk about their lives. And there was just from the get-go, what also was important to us at the time was CrossFit and that the Wadcast was really popular. And anyway, so then when we decided to rebrand, when I look back, I'm like, I have no regrets whatsoever. We have just really evolved. And I don't mean to sound like like indie, (laughs) super indie, but I don't care about numbers and growth. I just, maybe I'm getting, I don't know. I don't know what that is about, but I just like... It doesn't worry me because what we do is fun. And the people like in the chat are the people we want to talk to. I don't care to have 7 million downloads per episode. And quite frankly, that would bring a lot of riffraff that I'm not really wanting to. I know. That is kind of the nice thing is like... In like our reach is small, but we don't have to worry about a bunch of like, yeah, the, the more popular you are, the more of other people's opinions you have to deal with. Yeah. So anyway, I don't have any regrets. I'm glad we did it. I'm I, I kind of chuckle about like the timing. Because then, you know, obviously, we would go on to go into a pandemic and the whole like CrossFit world would blow up. And then we everyone was like, Oh, my gosh, did you change your podcast because of what happens? Like, um, no, we psychically knew. <laughs> we need yeah. to move away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, Lindsay. Stay away, internet riffraff. We don't want you here. Yeah, yeah. But we're so glad all of you guys are here. And it is almost the end of 2022. This is actually one of my favorite episodes that we do. It's sort of like the the year wrap-up. Yeah, like a year in review. Yeah. 
And I like to look back and think like, okay, what, like this time last year, we were all still wearing masks to everything, Mm -hmm. like publicly mandated masks, which I remember like in February when in Colorado, the public mask mandate expired and kids didn't have to wear masks to school anymore. And I was like, so freaked out. I didn't know. I mean, I still really sometimes wish that the kids at school would wear masks because kids are disgusting. Kids are so germy. So many germs. I just think back to like a year ago where it was like, Nope, you're still like I was wearing. I put my ski jacket on for the first time yesterday, and I had like five masks in my pocket because it was like, <laughs> oh yeah, like there's masks everywhere. And I remember joking about that, right? Like there was that tweet that was like, how you know we'll all find a mask in our pocket at some point. And they're like, huh, I remember those days, but like, yeah, they were kind of there. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Like when I traveled this past week, no one's wearing masks in the airport, which is probably why I caught a cold. I say this every time I travel. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to travel without a mask no. ever again. No. It's- we wore masks when we were traveling. And I I mean, we, we were very few. Like, I, I maybe saw a handful of people wearing masks traveling. And, of course, I catch a cold and whatever. And, thankfully, it wasn't anything, like, horribly serious because I truly thank the vaccines and I thank the boosters. But... um the flu shots, but I, that is something I will always do no matter what is continue to travel wearing a mask. To me, that's sort of the main, not the main, but a significant, really concrete thing that I can look back on and be like, oh yeah, I remember the same last year when we were still wearing masks to everything. When did the war in Ukraine start? It was kind of late winter last year. It's like that hadn't even happened this time last year. Like, like I had just started my new job. You had pretty recently started your new job. Just hit my anniversary uh, with my new job. I'm laughing because I've had so many like resurging. Because I think because I talked about this, the real story of what happened recently. I've had so many resurging conversations. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot that happened. And I forgot that happened. And I forgot that she said this. And I forgot that she said that. And I, I left out a lot of really good juicy other tidbits that maybe we'll tell another day that I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe this lady said this to me. And it's just been really funny. So I feel like that was a good purging. But yeah, I've hit a year with my new job. You've hit it, what, year and a half? No, a year. We started right around the same time. I started being in November. Yeah. And then, so like January of this year, I was thinking, I trying to go think about like all the things we were, we had just turned in cadet in November of 2019, or I'm sorry. Oh my God, Joy. <laughs> 2019, 2021. And so January 2022, we were like, just waiting every single month to get the report of how cadet was doing. We were dogless. Well, we had JT, of course, but like puppy raising wise, we just didn't have a puppy to raise. And so we had like all this time. And anyway, it was just really interesting to think about like January, February, January, February, I feel like is the beginning of the year. You feel like it kind of goes so slow. Isn't it January that feels like it takes forever to get through? <laughs> Here yeah. We go. yeah. January is the longest month. <laughs> and then, you know, we get the word in, I think, beginning of March. Yeah, because we got Joe in March that we we're getting another puppy. And that was really exciting. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think about all the things of like, okay, and then May. We get the word that cadets graduating. June, we go to cadets graduation. My cousin got married in June. I got COVID in June. I was in Arizona. I had to get myself home. I mean, who knows? I just feel like when you look at the year of how many things happen in one year, but how fast it goes. And I will always say that. I feel like it's just cliche, but the passage of time like always blows my mind of how quick it goes. And then we're like, wow, we're recording another year down of podcasting and this is the last of the year. I mean, podcasting wise, it wasn't like super eventful. I mean, it was just a constant, but I don't think about it in terms of like, where are we going next? Where are we growing to? Because I don't know about you. I mean, we don't really talk about it. We just kind of go with the flow. That's how we've always gone. There's just the pocket of the internet that I really enjoy having that I don't know if I want to expand it to where it invites other people in that we don't want to be in our <laughs> circle. <laughs> I'm very how exclusive. How can we grow, but how can we like... Only the cool people. You will need to apply. You need to be accepted. Here's to be fair. Here, I congratulations, think, you made the cut. Yeah. I think about, I was just listening to the Busy Phillips podcast. It's called Doing, Busy Phillips is Doing Her Best. And her and her co-host, Cassie Sayange, who's like been a producer and a friend of hers for years and years. And it's a great podcast. It's exactly like this. Like they just shoot the shit for, they record for like three hours. It's, and sometimes they have guests, but it is just like, 
it's soothing background noise in a way that I'm like, oh, I can listen to this today. Like one morning I woke up and there was all these podcasts I, I subscribed to. And sometimes I'll choose it by based on like, I don't, I can't follow a story today. Like I can't follow, someone recently told me to to listen to a certain podcasts. that's like very story centric. You have to like pay attention to the story. And I started it and I was like, my brain's not there. I just need like nothingness. But I'm not saying they're talking about nothing. They're talking about things that I can pay attention to, but I don't have to follow a story. <laughs> you, don't have to, you can like zone out for 30 seconds and zone back in and you're not like, wait a minute, I missed a crucial detail about the Yes, movie. I'm just like, oh, we got three hours. What am I going to miss? An ad for, you know. Sure, Casper mattresses or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, Busy's podcasts are really long, so you have to like really be invested. But anyway, all that to say is another year down, no signs of stopping. <laughs> You guys know my favorite podcast. It's pretty much like the only podcast I listen to if there's a new episode is Home Cooking with Samin Nostrat and Rishikesh Haraway. And he's the host of the Song Exploder podcast. And she is a chef, a really well-known like New York Times chef. And they started doing a podcast. If you, I've talked about this before. They started doing a podcast at the beginning of COVID where I, they're just like friends in real life. And he, I think, just called her up and was like, Samin, we have to do a podcast together to like pass the time. People would call in with their questions like, hey, I panic bought 60 pounds of dry beans. Like, what can I do with them? And Samin would be like, okay, so here's some ideas. <laughs> but so that was like very loosely the premise of the show, but it really just became them just like talking about their lives and sort of that was, you know, they moved the conversation along with like a food question every once in a while if they needed to, but they released, I don't know, maybe like 15 episodes in 2020. And then they re- sprinkled in a few additional episodes. Like they just had a Thanksgiving one you know, a month ago or whatever. But that is why I love that podcast is because it's just them like being friends and you just feel like, oh, this is this really sweet friendship. And I just get to like listen to them banter and like share their little moments. So I agree. So we're glad you guys are here is the moral of the story. I was also trying to think like, okay, personally, do you remember what your word was for 2022? Did I even pick one? (laughs) I don't even remember picking one. Honestly, I don't think I'm going to do it this year because I don't really stick yeah. to it. I, I want to say that I probably did it a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you had a couple. We could probably look, but go back and look. Could have done the homework, but we didn't. <laughs> I could have done the homework. <laughs> My word in 2022 was consistency. And I feel like I did decently on that. I don't know. I think for 2023, I like doing the word thing. Um, I know it resonates for a lot of people. In the past, I have had, I've, you know, we've talked about this on our more recent podcast with JK about the, um, what was that thing called? The Oh, yeah. The immunity to change. Immunity mm-hmm. to change. I was like inhibited to change. Immunity to change episode <laughs> where we talked about the Brene Brown episode that talked about the book about how sort of what really happens, what we really should be thinking about when we try to set a goal and the things that get in our way that, you know, we chalk up to us, like having no motivation and being a lazy failure, but are really like psychological safety nets that our brain is trying to create for us. So, you know, go back and listen to that episode or, and go listen to the Brittany Brown episode on that topic. I think one thing for me that like got in the way of trying to be consistent is that a value that I also have is around like not wanting to feel stuck in a in a routine. Like I want consistency. I want I want predictability, but I don't necessarily want to feel like oh you have to do the same thing all the time. I want there are certain things that I do feel that way. Like I always want the kitchen to be clean, or you know I always want kind of these little things along the way. But when it comes to my larger lifestyle, I don't want to feel like oh, okay I have to get up at the same time every morning, or I ha- that's the biggest one. I don't want to have to get up at the same time every morning. No, but so um, yeah, April says our bodies crave stability, but our minds want adventure, and it's very true. And I think isn't that funny? We're like just screwing ourselves yeah. all the time. We are. It's we're just yeah. like swimming in different directions all the time. So I think that was something that I identified as being a, a thing that was hard about trying to be consistent was that I, for whatever reason, have this conflicting belief that and value that I hold of like wanting to be able to kind of make more decisions in the moment, not wanting to feel like, oh, I have to do this just because it's like the routine. But I really want to be a routine person. I really want to be somebody who has has that consistency. And I was thinking about the Brittany Brown episode and how she 
her goal was like she wanted to have more set meetings, but she felt like it was, you know, holding her back from being able to have the flexibility that she needed to be creative. And I and realized she was like, creating I, more problems. Right. Yeah. And I realized like I'm doing the exact same thing. And it's, you know, instead of, it's not set meetings, but it is like a set routine of a certain kind. Like I shy away from like doing too much meal prep because like, well, what if I don't want that that day? Or when in reality, I'm never mad that I did meal prep. I'm always like, yeah, I don't even care if I want this. It's already cooked. Right. So like, it's food that I can just eat. That is the part, right? Like, I rarely, if ever, get to a meal and I'm like, I can't believe I, I like already cooked this delicious meal. I'm not going to eat it. I'm like, heck yes, I forgot I had this. <laughs> but I have this very similar roadblock where it's like something about my brain wants to value. I don't even necessarily want to say flexibility because that even feels too like wishy washy. Like, I don't even. I know for a fact that I don't want to be flexible. It's more like I want options. And my brain tells me that if I am in a routine, then that takes away my options. When in reality, not having a routine restricts me way more because I don't have the flexibility. Like if I put the things I need into a routine, then that gives me flexibility in the rest of my, I'm moving my hands around a lot. I wish you guys could see it, but I have a lot of moving. Yeah. Like I imagine like if a lot of waving of the wands, (laughs) if my world is like a set amount of space. And I really want to always have time for three or four certain things. If I can structure those three or four certain things, then the rest of my time actually gets more freed up, not the other way around. And that is a cognitive dissonance that I've sort of, that I recognized through those conversations and through the episode with Brene where I was like, oh, this is, it's not about like work meetings, but I'm doing the exact same thing just with sort of like standing meetings about the things I want to get done personally. So I'm going to work on that. Yeah. I wonder if it has to do with, um, not for everybody, but at least for me or maybe for you, your life is so busy and full that adding more structure feels claustrophobic maybe. Yeah. I think a part of it is also, it's not necessarily claustrophobic, but it is sort of like, I just don't want to have to manage one more thing. Sure. And it's it feels sure. like just executive function exhaustion where yeah. I'm, you know, making sure that everybody has before, like, I know when the daycare, like, Miles has pre, right. before school care and Evie is getting her, her Wednesday, she has to bring her swimsuit, you know, all the things. So, and then when it comes to myself, I'm like, screw it. Like, I will just shove it in where I can shove it in. I would rather have things, like, I would rather feel, not feel like the things that are important to me are just getting like squeezed into the day if I can fit them. And right. if I can start with them there, my hypothesis is that it would probably feel uncomfortable for the first couple of weeks because I would be like, oh, like this. I think that there's the other bigger picture thing is that when you have young kids and you are the default parent or in a role where I think default parent has a lot of negative connotations, but like you know, I'm in a role where my job is more flexible. I'm the mom, you know what I mean? Like for I better mean, or for worse, it is what it is. Moms are going to mom. Moms are going to mom. And not to say that like Brandon's not, you know, Brandon's very involved. No, I don't think you, ex- you need to explain that to any father or mother. It can feel uncomfortable to put your flag in the sand and say like, no, I'm doing this. Everyone else can figure out what they need to make that happen for me instead of the other way around where it's normally like, well, I'm figuring out what needs to happen so everyone else can get to do what they need to do. Um, and so flipping the script on that is also uncomfortable. And so that's something I'm also wanting to work on in 2023 is being able to, and I think I've been doing that this year. I posted something on Instagram. I posted a reel last week in the audio was like this chapter of my life is called my turn. And I posted like some videos of me surfing and skiing and like working out. And I think I've gotten, I learned this past year how to ask for that space in like very distinct chunks where, you know, a year ago I wouldn't, or two years ago, I wouldn't have said like, Hey, I'm leaving for two weeks throughout the year to go surfing and, you know, Brandon figure out, figure it out. You know, I'm not, I don't come up with the childcare for when I'm gone because first of all, that then makes it not really a vacation for me. But second of all, I don't want to be the one getting the phone call like at four o'clock while I'm sitting on a beach in Mexico with my mom being like, was I picking my house up today? Right. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, you guys figure it out. And I don't think that I would have put my flag in the sand like that two years ago. Part of it is because Evie's getting a little bit older. And so, you know, it's a lot harder to do when you have like a two-year-old than it is when you have a three-year-older. But that was something 
looking back this year where I think like I was able to make space for myself in a way that I haven't really let myself do in the past. And there was a comment on the reel that was like, you know, can you talk more about this? And as I was thinking more about what did that look like, I think it was easier to do it because the timelines of what I was asking for were so distinct of like, I'm leaving on Saturday. I'm coming back the next Saturday this one week is up to you. And I could kind of like set that aside and be like, this is, you know, I am clocking out for this week. And that felt really empowering, but it also felt very like manageable as something to ask someone else to take on Mm -hmm. of being able to be very clear of like, this is what I'm asking from you from this time to this time I'm leaving. I'm curious to see what it will feel like to ask for more of that in like a day-to-day way. If it'll still feel like kind of. Yeah, it's it's hard to do that it, because so much of it will go to this place of like, well, I could just do it. And it's like, yeah. And right. it's also good to practice asking for help. And I think it's important. It's like, I even want to shift it from being like, oh, I need help. And more of just like, hey, this is not my job, actually. One like tiny little distinction there is like, if I'm asking for help, it's still my responsibility and someone is helping me with it versus saying, hey, we're a partner in this. And it's just sure. as much your responsibility right. as is my responsibility. And so like we are equally Balancing invested in this in this happening. And you know, I'm not the project manager, or the boss here. Like we are equal equally responsible for the outcome here. That is something that is really hard to do. It's really hard to change that dynamic in a well, I'll speak for myself, in a heterosexual monogamous relationship with young children <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where some traditional power dynamics are at play and some non-traditional ones. I think this is a whole other podcast, but you know, I think there's a huge moment happening right now for really like millennial and Gen X moms of young kids where they're realizing like, oh, I am working full time. I maybe am also the primary breadwinner. I mean, I am the primary, I make more than Brandon and I work more than Brandon. And yet a lot of those traditional mom roles, I still really hold like the mental load. We're getting a vocabulary in the last few years to say like, oh yeah, the emotional labor is a thing. You know, that's a new term in the last few years. Or, you know, there's this whole like movement of really defining tasks of like, let's sit down and figure out and really identify clearly what I'm owning that you, the other partner in this relationship, don't even realize that I'm holding because you just take for granted that it gets done. And yeah, it's I think it's really impacts. It's not just kids, you know, I'm not just couples or relationships with children. I'm just speaking for what I know. It's interesting because I think in a lot of ways, it's a new conversation, not because it's a new problem, but because there's a new vocabulary that's emerging about it that gives us the phrases to say like, oh, emotional labor, that resonates. Yeah, that is what I'm feeling. I am feeling like the person who has to remember all the things, even though I might not be the one doing them all, whether or not they get done is ultimately like in my brain. I don't know. Do you hear your clients talking about this stuff? A little bit. I think it has more to do with just guilt around... mm, Kind of like, well, I should be able to handle all this, you know? (laughs) Totally. I think that's another huge thing. Yeah. And it's what you're saying. It's not so much like, oh, I need help, but more of how can I ask for, how can I just have the conversation where it feels more equitable and or it's normalized that this is the deal versus, oh, I'm supposed to take this all on or I should be able to take all of this on. Right. And there's a lot of guilt around that. Yeah. And then I'm really, we have a, a, several women in the chat right now who are talking about how this really impacts relationships without kids too. And April says, I see the conversation around single women without kids also changing. We're realizing how society devalues that, but we're here, we being childless women, obviously, and and we're valid. I think that's another huge thing too, is like the visibility there of people saying, Hey, this is not, I'm not childless because it's like, it's not a tragedy that I don't have kids and you need to stop treating it like it is. And, you know, I'm curious, Joy, like in your marriage, do you feel like you have similar feelings of like not being able to put your own priorities, give them as much energy as you wish that you could? Yeah. This comes up a lot actually. And, you know, like this summer, and it's like, there's so much to it that I don't want to make it sound like it's this horrible thing. But to put it very simply, like, because I see, I feel there's still like that male, female, got works really hard and makes more money. Like that's, that's a dynamic that I put on us of like, well, I need to make sure that I'm supporting him and his endeavors, but he's also really supportive of me. And like, 
But there's times when I will catch myself being like, well, I need to make sure that I'm, you know, I don't know if I could do this trip because I want to make sure that he's taken care of or he has what he needs or whatever. Like this summer when I went to Arizona, I was really nervous, not in a way that I felt like he'd be mad, but I felt like it was a really big ask for me to go to Arizona for probably like a good week, week and a half because we had a, you know, pretty young puppy at home and he'd be taking care of all the animals. <laughs> like, you know, granted, we don't have children, but still it's like just taking care of taking care of things while he has to work, like he was working a full week, whatever. I remember feeling like s- scared, not in the sense of like, I'm scared of a Scott, <laughs> but more just like, I didn't, I was like, oh, this feels like a big ask. It just felt like a big ask versus like, he can, he can, I'm using really horrible words right now, but it's like, he will take trips for work, not even batting an eyelash where we're like, yeah, sure, go. They're like a week long. And I don't even question taking care of everything at home. So that sometimes feels like we, like I have to check myself to be like, am I like falling into this like old dynamic? And and that's just an interesting thing to think about. Or like, you know, I even notice generations last night when we're this is, you know, we're recording this the day after Christmas where we make this like big Christmas meal. My mom and I and Scott are doing the dishes because Scott's like, help her, help her. And my dad like goes and sits on the couch. Like, but it's always been like that, you know? So, but he helps in different ways, but it's kind of like the stereotypical roles of what the stereotypical, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's old school, whatever, men versus women. It's, it's an interesting thing to watch, but it's, I noticed that come up for me and I have a hard time being like, oh, why do I do that? Or like the shoulds of it all and the, and the guilt around, well, I need to take care of all of these things because for why? I don't know, but it feels a little bit like really deeply programmed. I think it is deeply programmed because I think it's like really goes back to the things that we've just seen in our lives and in everywhere around us growing up in so many ways. And so like it is deeply programmed because those dynamics are often unspoken and we don't question them. And we holiday meals are a great example that it is kind of like, oh, the men sit down and watch football and the women are in the kitchen. And it's totally that. Yeah. And, you know, and in a lot of ways, it's like, hey, I actually have wonderful memories of making, of being in the kitchen with the women in my family. I'm not saying, I don't feel oppressed while I'm in there. Right. And and it's not to say like everyone in the kitchen is like, you know, oh, you're being oppressed. It's just, it's just interesting to notice. Yeah. Right. And they're not barking out orders and, you know, like. Bring me this. this. Yeah. (laughs) No. No. And it's in that moment, I'm not saying they're thinking like, hey, this is unfair. It's just more like a really good example of this moment in the microcosm where you can look and be like, oh, this is like a very visible moment of this dynamic that is built into a lot of our families that we have only recently begun to take a look at and be like, wait a minute, why is that like that? Why do me and my mom and my grandma and my sisters and my aunts go in the kitchen while while the men, you know, drink beer in the living room? Right. And why is that just sort of like the natural place that you gravitate. And it's not, maybe it's not right or wrong, but at least asking that question of like, why is that that way? Why do I assume that that's what's going to happen? Um, I think when you then step that back into just like your daily life, it is, I think a lot of people recently, a lot of women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and you know, everyone who's in any sort of partner dynamic has started really noticing that more and more. It's, it, yeah, we're getting a lot of great comments in the chat about, you know, people with the power dynamics in their relationships. I, you know, power dynamics also makes it sound so serious. Like, I also want to. We all know that it's. Not yeah, like, we all know what we're talking yeah, about. We're not. We're not. It's like hard to find the right words without sounding like yeah. we're all like living in a cage with like our hus- our partners just being like, you you need to do this. You know, it's not like that, but it's just it's interesting. But I do want to bring up really quick. You know, I was in Oklahoma this past week with my in-laws and uh, kind of just speaking on the same thing. I was in my uh, with my in-laws and they celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And it was also really interesting because I asked my father-in-law, he's just the sweetest, sweetest man. I, I really hit the jackpot with in-laws. They're just so kind and so loving. And I said, what is your, what you know, what advice do you have after 50 years of marriage? 
And he's like, oh, that's a great question. Well, I would say for it took me 15 years to learn this. And he's really hard on himself. He worked his fingers to the bone. He was su- he is still is a hard worker. And he has suffered a lot of really difficult challenges in his life that he has just persevered through. And he was like, I, you know, it took me 15 years to learn this, but I learned to listen to Mary, his my mother-in-law. I, I learned to listen. And I think he what he meant by, by that was he was just kind of like going, 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 and not really present because he was really trying to take care of the family that he finally stopped and learned to like listen to her, pay attention, not pay attention like he was ignoring, but just more being present, I would say, is kind of how I translated that. And I was like, that's great advice. And and he kind of made this joke of like, oh, and she put up with me all those years. And I think there's just, you know, it's interesting to think about how also, I'm not saying like, I don't know, whatever, I'm sick of disclaimers. I, I hope everybody knows what we're talking about at this point. <laughs> like, just whatever. And but it, at some point, he was also like, you know, I also know that because he worked so hard, he feels guilty for not being present. And my dad has said that as well, where he's like, I worked so hard and he worked crazy hours. He worked, he was, he was a shift worker. So he had to do swing shift, day shift, graveyard shift. He was often, and I've mentioned this before, you know, not present for the holidays where he had to work on the holidays because he had, he worked at the airport and planes needed to be fixed. And so he would be off to work on Christmas afternoon. So we would have to do Christmas in the morning or whatever it would be. And so I never think back and think like, oh, my dad wasn't present. He was always present when he was home. I never felt like he was absent. But there's this guilt of also the men in my lives, at least, who've been like, and even I see this in Scott sometimes, where they just get so focused on providing that they're not present for the emotional part sometimes. Sometimes, Again, not I'm not universally speaking. This is just my own experience. And that is an interesting dynamic as well, where you know, we're trying to, we, the women, me, I am trying to like take care of things at home or, you know, and we both work, you know, we both work full time too, you know, but it's also just an interesting emotional dynamic of my father-in-law saying like, oh, I wasn't, he has guilt around that. And I'm always like, Dan, you are so loving and caring, but it's it's an interesting thing that I see happening in the men in my lives too. Yeah. I think there's a lot of guilt in both feelings of guilt in both directions that like somehow we're not living up to this role. And Jess in the chat is sort of talking about this too, about how her partner is very willing to help around the house. But even when he is, she still feels guilty of like trying to put her feet up while he's doing something like you should be in there doing it with them. And I feel that way for sure. And I think it's interesting to recognize those types of expectations that go both ways that we don't question that like there is the expectation that we're mostly speaking to heterosexual partnerships right now. So so, like, let's just keep it in that realm that women feel to run everything at home and it feels really awkward and uncomfortable and, you know, makes you feel lazy or makes you feel like you're not taking care of your husband or your family if you offload those responsibilities or if you're relaxing while someone else is taking care of the laundry or whatever the case may be in the home sphere. And then realizing that a lot of times men feel the op- feel that like the converse of that in the work sphere, that they have to be constantly working. And if someone else is making more money than them in the home, or if they don't, you know, if they're not working full time, then that is a shirked responsibility on their part. So I don't, it, it's a complex, I mean, this is a humongous conversation. I think a lot of people, regardless of the type of relationship that you're in, can relate to the problems with like unspoken power dynamics and unspoken spheres of influence, I guess, of like home versus work and kids versus, you know, things that kind of are more gendered female of like home domestic stuff versus things that are more gendered towards males. Of But I think it all start like it all started with you being like, I want to just communicate this is what's the plan and we're going to teamwork, make this happen together. But I just want to bring up and kind of close the loop on this is like, the feelings of guilt for asking, I think this is just very universal. I hear this a lot, like I said, with clients of they ask the feeling of guilt. And there's the book Year of Yes with by Shonda Rhimes talks about this. And I think it's it can be applied to so many things of we never feel like we're doing enough is kind of the bottom line. And that you can be fail, quote, unquote, fail, feel like you're failing at work, if you're really rocking it at home, but you feel like you're failing at home, if you're really rocking it at work, like this, that whole thing of never, never, never doing enough. And so I think that there's a 
thread that kind of goes through all of this with um, whatever partnerships that you're in of the dynamic of who takes on what and what you feel like you should be doing. And the not enoughness, I feel like is this weird underlying current. So it's to pay attention to that. Yeah. So anyway, back to 2023. <laughs> I think that all of this is a, is a adjacent conversation to something that I want to really do for myself in 2023, which is take the the momentum and the kind of like power that I was able to find in 2022 to ask for that space and remove it from just being these like very distinct one week at a time moments into something that I can get more of on a day-to-day basis of saying, hey, you know, this is what I need. And this is something, there are things that I want to do that are actually just for myself and don't contribute to the home life. I mean, they do in the sense that they contribute to my well-being, but seeing that as like a valid part of the puzzle and not seeing it as like the last thing that gets checked off on the to-do list once everything else has been done. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, you know, like, what word do I want? I haven't quite decided yet, but it's very similar words to what came up the last few years. Like in 2021, I think I did structure equals freedom, which same exact concept. Last year I did consistency. And I think what I've been trying to get at is wanting this feeling of like, I want to feel grounded in some kind of routine or whatever, you know, needing to get away from the mental block of thinking that that is going to limit my ability to like kind of have a fun life or to do the things that I actually want to do. Because in reality, what I'm doing is limiting what I want to do by not prioritizing it. So that's my sum, my summation of what I'm thinking of focusing on for 2023. We'll see how it goes. I do have another surf trip planned, as most of you know, in, in February, going back to Mexico. Our podcast surf planning has sort of stalled. We got some a lot of feedback from people who were like, I don't really want to stay in a hotel with no air conditioning in Mexico <laughs> in the middle of the summer. And I was like, you know what? Sure. That's a valid point. So when I'm there in February, I'm going to talk to the trip organizer and be like, let's let's brainstorm here. What can we do that would not require you guys to sleep in shared hotel rooms with no air conditioning in June in Mexico uh, with like a giant floor fan pointed at you? Because we do still really want to hang out with you guys. And it would be very fun to go surfing with you. Yeah. And it would be great to celebrate 10 years in like a really big way. So yeah. I mean, 2022, I look back a lot on probably mine was around coasting, I'm sure, because after 2021 being so insane with the whole job thing, I feel like 2022 is probably something like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of absorb everything that happened and just try to stay at the pace that I was at, that I wasn't going to like let myself get sick again and let myself stress out the way that I was in the previous job. But I think that the conversation with JK and you where you guys were like, well, maybe you're just like the whole setting goals thing where I'm like, I just don't, I don't know. So after we ended that podcast, after we stopped recording, we were like, Joy was reflecting of like, I can't, I just couldn't think of. Oh, that wasn't recorded? I I thought it was recorded. Oh, it wasn't recorded. Okay, okay, okay. We were, Joy was like, I just can't. I mean, you talked about that a little bit, but then after we, we stopped recording, we were still kind of talking and I was like, maybe Joy's goal needs to be to set a goal because like you were talking about how in the last couple of years, and we've all witnessed this in real time, if you've been a regular listener of the podcast, that like you used to be the type of person who really would like sit down with a journal and write smart goals and like stick to them and make a plan and, you know, follow the marathon training plan for like, there was like a marathon training plan style to your task. Yeah. You know, like everything was like a 10 week couch to 5k, but you know, whatever the goal was. Yeah. And over the past couple of years, and particularly like going through the pandemic and going through your job and going through graves, you really felt the urge to like break away from those types of that type of structure, because you were noticing that like, this is leading to burnout. If all I'm doing is focusing on this end goal, I will get into a mental place where I will like sacrifice my health to get to that end goal. And so you are now at a place where you're like, I can't even envision creating a goal because you have changed so much as a person to now where one of your values is like, I'm not going to set myself up for that. Not only that, as you were saying it, I'm like, I'm pretty content with my life. Like, I don't want anything. (laughs) Which is great. Yeah. But so, so as we you were, were saying that, I was like, I don't know what I want because I feel like I, I'm not trying to be like, I have it all, but I just don't feel like I need anything else. I just want to spend time with my friends and my family and my pets, you know, like, so maybe that's why, like, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm tired. 
Right. You're tired of like trying to optimize everything. Yes. I think that that is great. Like, I think that's another huge part of it that we've talked a lot about recently too. It's like, you don't have to be constantly picking apart your life and trying to find the places, every corner of your life that needs to be optimized. That's true. You don't have to be like striving all the time. We were just way too influenced by the hustle culture. Yeah. And like the the women who are like, look at all the things I do in a day. And I'm just like, oh, you can make $10,000 of passive income every day using only your Instagram following. No, you cannot. You cannot. You can't. If we could do that, who do you think would be doing that right now? Joanne Claire. It's not, you can't. It's not real. (laughs) But I feel, yeah. So I think like that's another thing too, is I'm like, I'm at a point in my life where I don't, but, and here's the thing, there's guilt around not feeling inspired to have a goal. And that's where I'm like, I feel bad about not having any specific goals. My goal right now is just, I don't know, (laughs) enjoy some Netflix. My goal Work, is to do watch good at my job. Great. Well, so in that after, like, you know, this conversation we're referencing those off the record, we were, were sort of like, maybe your goal should be to identify a goal. And then you go, you can go through that process and figure out, is there something holding you back from being able to create those, that type of an objective in your life. And, you know, maybe it is like a belief that you don't, you just don't want to, that your energy is better used somewhere else right now. And I, I'm curious because one thing we didn't talk too much about on that, when we were talking about the goal thing is one of the first questions in the process that you ask yourself is like on a scale from one to five, how important is it that I reach this goal? Right. And a five is like life or death practically. And a one is like, eh, it's fine. And I think that we in the whole hustle culture mentality are sort of taught to treat all of our goals as fives. And that's sort of what we were, I was trying to call JK out on a little bit where he was like, you know, it needs to get bad enough for you to really want to change it. I'm like, does it need to get bad enough? Like, do you have to reach a point where like you can't live this way anymore? Yeah. Like, no, it doesn't have to be a five. JK is coming for you. <laughs> Not in the chat. I'm just thinking, I can well, I see. Like, Hi, JK. He's listening right now. I know. <laughs> yeah. But well, and you know, we talked about that a little bit in the, in the episode that, you know, I think he voiced some underlying assumptions that he had around like, oh, you people just need to get to a point where they can't live their life anymore until they make this change. And like, until you get to that point, you're not going to be serious. That's assuming that every objective that you have has to be at a four or five. Maybe you have a goal that's like a one that's like, yeah, you know what? I would like to journal more. You would, I don't know, pick up, pick something random that maybe has been sort of floating around in your head. And you're like, yeah, I think I could benefit from stretching more regularly or whatever. It's only like a one or a two. I mean, last year I started the year getting monthly facials. That was like my <laughs> That's an amazing goal. I want a monthly facial. And it stopped when I when we started puppy raising again, just because yeah. of obvious reasons. I couldn't like, I didn't have a lot of time, but you know, I'm picking that back up. But I, I, I say this in jest a little bit, but like, I, I think the goal setting also the guilt of the pace that I used to be at, that I feel like I should have goals and that by not having goals, I'm selling myself short and not living up to my full potential. Totally. And this is, I think, exactly what I describe when I talk about how like I stopped caring how much I weighed or I stopped caring about like working out or tracking my, you know, where when it's like, I don't care how my body looks. That is that exact same feeling of like, this is, if I don't care about this, it is because I am failing myself. That I oh interesting yeah okay but like this is something that I, is so ingrained that we need to be striving for that next thing all the time that if you're not doing it then that means that you are not reaching your full potential and you're leaving it on you know you're leaving your potential on the table and you're just lazy and like if you really cared about yourself and your life then you would be making your bullet journal goals every you know what i mean like that i think is the narrative that someone who is quote unquote living up to their potential which let's talk about that being a loaded term that we just get started with in elementary school practically oh lord almighty yeah have you seen yeah. that tweet that's like for ha- for halloween i'm going as a talented and gifted kid and when people say what are you supposed to be you say i'm supposed to be a lot of things <laughs> yes Michelle Obama's book talked about that becoming where she's like, everyone asks kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you, and they're, and it just sets you up for that. Like, you know, you have to be this grand thing. Right. Like you have to live up to your potential. You have so much potential. Like don't waste it. You know, I think so many of us have been told things like that throughout our whole life. It is. So then of course, you know, by the time you're 45, you're going to feel like 
if I don't have a plan to optimize my potential, then I'm wasting away practically. I might as well just like put myself on an ice flow right now and go out to sea. If you're not striving, then what are you even doing? And I think that is, I mean, apply that to whatever. I think for a lot of people, it's their bodies. I think for a lot of people, it's their jobs. I think for a lot of people, it's their relationships. Like you don't have to always be trying to level mm. up. Yeah. Level up, level up, level up. Okay. And I just had like this therapy breakthrough in my head where I was like, whoa, and it, it, I'm not going to go down this road, but it does have so much to do with the reason, the reason behind all of the goals that I did was a lot of trying to prove a lot of things that I felt like I needed to prove when I was a teenager. And so that's why the goals were so fast and furious in my 20s and 30s, because I was like, I have a lot to prove. I have, and it was a lot to prove to other people. And at this point, I'm like, oh, I'm just like, that's not important to me anymore. What's important to me is the people that are in my circle and connection and all of that, like, you know, I don't want to say obvious, but it, the stuff that's important where you're like, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my friends. Like the very not simple in the, in the sense of basic, but just the simple, important things. And that is, I think, where I'm at in my life and kind of learning to relax a little bit. And someone put like, maybe your goal is to re- like find relaxation. Don't get me wrong. I do like staying busy. I like staying occupied. I like staying like, you know, taking care of my house and <laughs> going to the going to the store, going on dog walks, doing my job. But it's just not like the extra I have to be feeling every moment training for some huge race or whatever the case may be. And that feels really big to be like, oh, I'm not tethered to that trying to prove to anybody in the past. And that's probably why I feel the say the way that I do about the podcast of like, I got no- we got nothing to prove here. Like we enjoy what we do. We don't need to bust out of the charts and beat whatever podcast. We- that means nothing to me. What means something to me is people writing emails, meaningful emails saying, you helped me with this, this and this, some stranger across the world that said, I- your podcast really helped me. I'm like, that's all I care about is connecting with people. Anyway, that was a big aha moment for me. Yeah. And I think Mackenzie said this in the chat. She said, on the flip side, if you don't have something to strive towards, you can end up coasting and not reaching milestones you wish you had. And that is this tension of like, though, yeah. if you do have things that you want to get to. And I think, Joy, that is actually something that you have grappled, not grappled is a strong word, but that has been going on alongside this sure. for you is like, sure, those, there are, is also the assumption that like there should be these milestones still. And sometimes even the milestones are like, well, I don't even really know what those would be. But if you do have specific things where you're like, yeah, there is a certain way I want my life to look and it's different than the way it looks now, then I think that is kind of more in line with what I'm talking about with with the process that I'm going through or like the immunity change process or whatever, you know, the goal setting process that you have is being able to recognize where you want to be and then sort of work backwards from that versus what you're describing is like, there aren't really even any milestones. Like when you look at your life, there's no real moment where you're like, this is something that I wish was different or if I envision my perfect life this area needs to change. So I don't know. I think it's just like there is a tension that we've talked about before of like wanting to get to somewhere, but also feeling like the way that goals or our structure does not work for you. But then also there's this, maybe this moment that a lot of us are having where it's like, wait, maybe I don't need a bunch of goals. Maybe I can yeah, just sort of and, see what happens. What does it do? Like what, it, what, what does that do for your self-worth? Like, are you tying your self-worth? That goes back to that very basic question of why it goes, I put in the chat, I think about Glennon Doyle's book. Uh, I think it's Love Warrior. It might be Untamed, but just doing the next right thing. Because at some point in your life when you're kind of just really changing, and I think it is just an ev- evolution of who I am, where I felt like I was so tied to the person I was before that it's a bad thing that I don't have the same goals or the same drive for goals or specificity with goals. And maybe it is just like doing the next right thing is just fine. I don't have any goal police knocking at my door being like, you're a bad person. So there's a lot of that tied up in it. Up in it. Um, I think about someone put around a stereotype of being in the corporate world uh, Lindsay says, I especially feel this as a woman. I don't need to be a manager or keep moving up. I want to do my job, make a difference and be present at home and enjoy life. And that's great too. I see like an examples. Um, and uh, there's a plenty of examples around that, but I just, I was talking to my brother the other day and he's a Lieutenant Colonel in the United States Marine Corps. And he could easily, easily, he's getting a promotion to Colonel next year, which is amazing. Um, and an amazing 
position promotion as well. And beyond that, he could actually go higher and higher and you can keep going up in rank um, where he'd be working at the Pentagon and working like really close to the president. And he said, at that point, Joy, I don't like someone else then navigates your job to where you could easily get just fired because it's when you're going into politics, like they could not like you and then just be like, we don't want you and you're going to retire now. And I'm like, that's, and that's who he is too, where he's like, I don't want to be driven by that. Like, I want to do a job that I like. Sure, I could get these ranks and get all the gold, what they call scrambled eggs on your on your uniform, where it's like so much gold, it looks like scrambled eggs. That at, at to what end <laughs> is what Busy Phillips always says, to what end? Where, why are you doing it? And is it because of just like status, but you're miserable? Or, you know, what is it for? And I think that's kind of what Lindsay's saying too, is like, we have to strive, strive, strive and get to the top, but to what end? And I think that's just a really thing. And that's very personal. I think everyone's going to answer that question differently, but it's an important question to ask ourselves. The why are we doing the shoulds and all of that? Well, guys, we're almost at the end. Do you want to give so a many quick... things to talk about, I but I so just many things to talk to about. Them. We have to squeeze it all into 2022. Yeah. No, we don't. We're going to be back in 2023. Yeah. Continue these conversations. But I do quickly before we move on want yeah. to, did you get anything fun for Christmas that you want to tell people? I about? did. Okay. Because this was a big, okay. So, um, Scott did, uh, Oh, Oh, ooh, we don't want to cry. We don't want to cry. I might cry, but, um, whoo, shit. <laughs> Scott, made a donation to the animal shelter where you got Lua, who we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but if you follow us on Instagram, you know that Joy had to put down her cat Lua two or three weeks ago at this point after also recently having to put down her other cat Diva just a couple weeks before that. And so Scott and a few friends and family, they like family oh. and people in Joy's life did a big donation to the animal rescue where Lua was from got like what like a memorial plaque or something yeah it'll be god damn it jesus christ um there it'll be like a plaque above it's like sponsoring a kennel so it'll be like her name above the shelter yeah at the shelter and that was really sweet and they gave me this like envelope and i saw and scott was like oh this is gonna be the best he's like it's really meaningful the second i opened the card and had all these names i was like oh shit like, because it was said, like, from all these people and his family and my parents and you and Jess. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and the family, we, you know, opened all the gifts together and the family's sitting there and it opened up this envelope and it said, you know, what you said. And, and I just lost it. It was, like, really meaningful. It was just really special. It was really hard to put her to, you know, put her down and say goodbye. And um, so it's been a hard year. And... Losing two cats, even though, you know, Diva, I don't know why, but Diva was like, I don't want to say easier. It was just a different grieving experience. Yeah. But. And Diva was also not as much of like an emotional support animal as like, no, just like another person that lived in your house. <laughs> she was yeah. more like a cat roommate. She was a cat roommate. She hated everybody. 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 And she was like, you know, whatever. It was just, yeah. Oh, it's hard. Yeah. So that was awesome. And then he gave me, um, among a couple other like great, outdoor voices and like a couple pairs of shoes that were amazing that you'll see. I'll post them. Um, he had our, so we've had in our house, you've probably seen if you like see any stories, there's this huge photo of us from our wedding day in our house. And it's always like on this big, it's always hung on this big wall that we have in our living room. And he, one of our really good friends, the gal who does my hair, uh, Liz, she's also a really good family friend. She started doing these amazing pieces of art, artwork, paintings during the pandemic. And she started painting and she's done it just amazing. If you if you want some amazing art, her website is Liz Liz Burns. And she he had her like he commissioned her to do an art piece for our living room. If you look on our website, it's very like these beautiful mixtures of just like abstract, colorful combinations <laughs> in order to do the inspiration. In order to do the inspiration of the color, the color palette for this piece of art, and I'll post a picture of it too. She wanted like, she's like, okay, you know, he showed, she knows what our living room looks like, but she's like, give me an an idea of like, what kind of color inspiration do you want? Okay. And so, (laughs) 
So every night, I think I posted this too, if you watch our stories, Joe takes out the, the entire toy box of dog toys. And he just like gets in there and he digs and he takes them all out. There's just toys everywhere. And so Scott literally took a picture of all the dog toys and was like, just use this as a color palette. <laughs> so just all the colors, just here. So it's, but it's a beautiful, it's like neon, but like browns that kind oh, of cute. whites and yeah. browns and pinks that kind of like go in our, anyway. And I just thought like, that is the cutest thing that like, even though we may not have Joe forever, that like that painting, I'll always think of him taking out the toys. <laughs> So there are very thoughtful gifts this year, and oh, that's all I'm going to say. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> we had a pretty good Christmas at our house. It's just like Christmas with little kids is so fun. Like Our kids are still in like prime Santa age. Miles is seven and Evie I, is going to be four in February. So I've kind of just like started rounding up and saying she's four, which is crazy. Oh my gosh. How no. is that possible? How? And Miles How? looks so big in every Miles photo. I'm like, he's growing up. Why? So Miles got a ton of Legos. Evie got like a Gabby's dollhouse dollhouse. Everything she got plays music. My brother gave her this like Moana microphone. So then Moana sings and she sings with Moana. But... <laughs> The main I got and then I got Brandon a Theragun, um, which thank you to Joy and Scott for consulting on that via text message. I was like, what do I is, it, is this worth like getting the name brand? Should I go off brand? Turned out the name brand one was the cheapest in the end. It is a little loud. You were right. But, is it? Okay. I mean, it's not it like crazy loud. Yeah. But, it's, but it, it is the sounds job. like yeah. a I would I mean, it's like, I don't know. Like last night Brandon was in the other room and he turned it on and I thought like somebody like outside the house was starting a car or something. You know, it's like a far away sort of like sort of noise. Anyway. And what did you get? I got Brandon got me a bunch of sort of like surf inspired things. He got me a stand up paddleboard, which I think Brandon thinks that you like paddle on the paddleboard with your arms. Oh, and not interesting. Like paddle with a paddle. Because he was like I, cause as part of getting ready for my trip to Ireland last summer, I kept talking I never got around to doing this, but I kept talking about how I wanted to take my surfboard to like a lake nearby and actually like paddle around to train. Like that's a really good way to train for surfing if you don't live near an ocean. And I, and he was like, so this way you can do that. And I was like, okay, but like you do know it's like a, pa- like a paddle. It's like <laughs> a like, row. It's not, not like paddling. paddling. It's like more like a little, I don't know. It's different. It's like a, it's not- like a gondola. <laughs> <laughs> gondola I mean, not a gondola you know so but it does fun. help with core strength <laughs> yeah it'll be great you're standing on a board in the water so it's adjacent um and then he got me this uh like travel set of like a travel roof rack basically because he was like you were so stressed out about going to ireland and you weren't gonna be able to take your surfboard and i was like yeah i mean the the other problem with ireland is that i don't think i could drive on the left side of the road in the left side of oh, in the right yeah. side of the car but yeah, that's fair. you can like, it's basically like a little, it almost looks like a foam roller and then you attach it to the top of your car and it creates like a rack. So you can attach it to the top of a rental car and put okay. skis or a surfboard up Yeah, there. sure. So yeah, those are fun. I mean, kids got a bunch of um, fun stuff that, oh, Miles got a skateboard. That was the his big oh, present. That's always and a fun in, gift. There's actually in Boulder, there is this kids indoor skate park called Square State. And they do like summer camps. They do after school programs. So with the skateboard, we told them like, we're going to send you to skateboarding camp. Oh, so hopefully fun. that goes well. That's so yeah, so we had a great cool. Christmas. Merry Christmas. And you went skiing for a little bit. Oh yeah. And so <laughs> I'm trying really hard to create a tradition in our family where on Christmas morning, we wake up, we open our stockings and then we get in the car and go skiing. Here's a fun fact. The Christmas like time period is busy at ski resorts because people take vacations, but Christmas morning specifically is dead. No one is skiing on Christmas morning because they're all opening their presents. Even if people like came in from out of town, they wake up in their condo and they like have a lazy breakfast and open some presents and then around midday it starts to pick up. But Christmas morning is no one. And so I'm like, I wanted this to be a tradition. And so, yeah. but our local ski area is like just up outside of Boulder and it gets so it's like famously gets very windy. So we were on the little magic carpet, which if you guys don't know, it's basically like the moving sidewalk lift that just takes you up the hill, the little tiny bunny hill. So (laughs) Evie and I were on this like moving sidewalk, which they call the magic carpet. (laughs) And a gust of wind came that was so strong that it knocked her over and off the lift completely. So then I had to like try to grab her. Like, I mean, it didn't like she was, you know, she was kind of picked up and moved. 
but she didn't like fall off a lift. Like right. you're standing. You're standing and, on the ground. Yeah. But imagine yeah. like you're 30 pounds and a 50 pound per hour gust of wind comes and it just like whoop and you have <laughs> So she's like oh, screaming bloody murder. The person oh. behind me on the lift is like coming in hot to run into us because I like tried to step off the lift to grab her. They end up having like stop the lift. Evie, again, the moving sidewalk, not lift. Evie is like screaming, crying. Miles already, he did one run and was done because it was so windy and it, like his binding didn't was like popped off. So we did one and a half runs on the bunny hill and then we went home because <laughs> it was so freaking oh windy. Oh my gosh. And the picture you posted was so up. funny. She had like the reddest wind yeah, burned face. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad because it's been, I mean, last weekend in Colorado or this past week was like Frigid, 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 negative, you know, negative 15 degrees. I feel like the entire week for the United yeah. States, at least, was just a We had like a, a big cluster. Arctic front that moved through. So what, what that meant was that a lot of the snow up there is really icy. Like, like um, so the wind was really battering you with like some sandy, you know, it felt like you were getting sandblasted. Anyway, so we did it, though. We got out. We went skiing. We did one and a half runs and we came home, which was fine. And you got the family photo for the tradition. You got the family photo. And as we got up there, I was like, you know, guys, the point of like, you could tell it was really windy as you were pulling up. And I was like, the point of this is that it's going to be fun. And so if it's not fun, we'll just go home. And after one run, everyone was like, this is not fun. And I was like, okay, great. Okay, great. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go home. All right, guys. Well, thank you for being here with us for another episode, another week, another year. Another year down. Happy New Year, everybody. We're going to Mean Girls. Oh, yes. I'm a camera. We didn't talk about that. Our me, our New Year's Eve plans, Joy and I and Jess and we'll Jess's daughter. Watch our we're stories. Going to see the Mean Girls musical. Please tell us what you guys are doing for New Year's, if how you're thinking about New Year's, if you're setting a goal or intention or a word or whatever for the new year. If that's something that you like to do, let us know what it yeah. is. Yeah. Thank you for sticking around. Thanks for being here. Have a safe and happy new year. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can go to our website, joyandclaire.com. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next Thursday. We'll see you next year. <laughs> I hate him people say that. I almost said it. I, didn't I know. Say it, but thank you. Thanks for doing that. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.